Hi, Nancy Drew fans. I'm Leslie Wadsworth, the voice of Quiggly Kim in the Nancy Drew video game, The Creature of Kapu Cave. Hope you enjoy this interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the River Heights Buzz podcast. This is episode 65 today. We're your hosts. I'm Alexa. And I'm Candace. As per usual, everyone, we always have technical stuff happening. Yeah. <laughs> but what else is new? Here we yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today, we're going to be talking about game number 15, the Creature of Kapu Cave, and we have a special interview at the end of our game chat with the voice actor who, who Quigley Kim, Leslie Wadsworth, so stick around for that. <laughs> I don't think we have any news, do we, Candice? No, I mean, there's whispers on Twitter of maybe a February release date for season four of the show, but we don't have any confirmation yet. Um, but the second that we see any kind of for sure dates from reliable sources, we will let you know. Um, but as of right now, not really any reliable news. Editing Megan here. We do now have a date, actually. It will be premiering on Wednesday, May 31st. So well, that's where we're at. Yep, yep. Anywho, let's get into this whole game chat, shall we, Candace? after you read our description. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to go. So, um, as you said, we are going to be covering Creature of Kapu Cave today, which is the 15th game in the Nancy Drew Adventure series and is based off of Nancy Drew Mystery Stories number 143, Mystery on Maui. Um, this game was released on October 12th, 2006. And I have got a little synopsis for everybody. Team up with the Hardy Boys and track an ancient legend through Hawaii. You as Nancy Drew travel to Hawaii to serve as a research assistant to Dr. Quigley Kim, who is an entomologist or a bug scientist. Upon arriving, you discover that the Hardy Boys are also on the island. They're investigating the father-daughter duo who run the vacation center Big Island Mike's Emergent Excursion, making sure the family has no dark secrets before being used in an ad campaign. Leaving the Hardy Boys to their case, you head off to the entomologist's camp, but soon discover another mystery. The island's pineapple crops are virtually disappearing, and some attribute it to Kane Okala, a legendary rough-skinned figure who's apparently been seen in the jungle lately and had been killed in a volcano centuries ago and now prowls the island wreaking havoc. Also, you discover that the camp has been ravaged and Dr. Kim is missing. Now it's up to you to uncover this intricate web of mysteries. All righty. So a lot to unpack there. And it seems that in the grand scheme of all the games, that this is one that is not quite as popular as some of the, <laughs> some of the other games around this time. And uh, I mean, you know, it's not my favorite. Um, I don't think I would put it on a list of like even my top 10 or top 15 favorite games. Um, but I really didn't find it as unenjoyable as some people do. Yeah. 
but we'll get there when we read um, viewer comments. So I really did enjoy the beginning cutscene of this game um, with the sound effects of what seems to be a creature tearing apart um, Dr. Kim's camp. Um, love a dramatic cold open like that. I think it really kind of sets the mood for the whole game. The growling reminds me of the captive curse. Yes. And the monster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty similar. Yeah. Um, so really enjoyed that. Um, and to start us off, we first meet Big Island Mike. I'm looking here. Let's see. So I'm getting my information from the Nancy Drew Wiki fandom. And under Big Island Mike, it says, Mike, a native Hawaiian, runs Big Island Mike's Immersion Excursion, a tourist center. His business stance is to get the tourists to do traditional Hawaiian activities. And he loves convincing people to try out necklace making or fishing. So I'm guessing that people don't actually like vacation at his place. They are at a hotel and then they just go to Big Island Mike's place and do all these activities, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's what it seems like. It seems like he, I mean, I don't know if you really call him like a travel planner because he's there in the location that you're at, but it's like he just, it's like he creates like an itinerary for people that are visiting, I guess. Um, and I mean, I feel like there are two different types of people on vacation. It's either you go on vacation and you are literally just relaxing. Like if you're going to the beach and you're just spending a lot of your time at the ocean, or there's the people who like to plan out like every minute of their day, everything that they're doing. So it's even to be that type. The funny thing is too, at one point, like, what did he say? He's like, how, like a busy customer is a happy customer. Yeah. But like, yeah. That's not necessarily everyone though. Yeah. Yeah. True. So. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I get where he's coming from as far as wanting to teach tourists like traditional Hawaiian activities and like culture and history, but fishing, you can do anywhere. <laughs> Gathering fish, you, you can do anywhere. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's got the shaved ice. You can literally get that anywhere. So at least as far as what we're seeing, it's not anything that's just specifically Hawaii. Yeah. So there's that. But anyways, so um, like I said, we're there to work with Dr. Quigley Kim, um, who studies uh, entomology. And uh, we learn about... There's this like secret research lab called the Healy Healy, where lots of just, I mean, for lack of a better word, secret undercover research for plants is happening. Um, not a lot of people know what's going on in there. It's very hush hush, um, a really secured facility uh, run by a really scary guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he, even at one point he's like because it's dr malachi craven and mm -hmm. he's even like later in the game he's like yeah i got anger stuff going on like yeah and he, he really does he really <laughs> does and the description of his character says 
Dr. Craven is the lead scientist at the Healy Healy Research Center, which Nancy visits in the course of her investigation. Extremely sour and bad-tempered, he doesn't hesitate to fire or otherwise kick out those who aggravate him. Can I call him Cranky Craven? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he is something else, but we will get to him shortly. Um, so one of the first things that we have to do, uh, for getting a key to the vehicle that we're going to be driving at driving, I use that in quotes because we're not really, I mean, it's like we're pointing, clicking on a map. So it's not like other games where we actually physically drive a car, but in order to get the key, we have to do a task for Big Island Mike, because, you know, nothing is free in Nancy Drew games. You always have to work for everything because we always have no money. <laughs> Even as like, so Nancy made a comment. She's like, yeah, I barely bring any money along. And I'm like, Nancy, you never have money. What the heck are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> no, never. Never. So we make this necklace um, in order to get the key. And along the way, we are learning about how the local pineapple crop is being damaged by some kind of mysterious pest. And of course, uh, there's, like I had said in the synopsis of the game, there's this um, supposed creature called the Kane Okala, um, who supposedly was killed in a volcanic eruption years and years and years ago. And um, so the locals are saying that he's responsible for the bad pineapple crop. Um, when in reality, you know, it's probably some something that's actually explainable, like a pest or a bug. So next I headed towards the beach when Ned calls and God love him. We put him on the back burner because of course we see Frank and Joe. Isn't that what like a lot of the conversations are like when Nancy's on the phone with Ned? She's like, oh yeah, I see the Hardy boys. Bye, Ned. It's like, no, Nancy, no, wait. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for him because it's like he doesn't even stand a chance. No. <laughs> so. Mm. Poor Ned. Poor Ned, for sure. Um, and I'm sure that you agree with me. I don't like the Frank and Joe character. Um, it's just, they did them so dirty. Like we were talking about this before where it's like, people always say like, this person got a glow up. They got a glow up. They look so nice. They look so good. But the Hardy Hardy boys, they got a glow down. Yeah, they really did. They did. And no offense to them because I love them as characters and they're very helpful. Um, but I also read on here, uh, on the Nancy Drew Wiki fandom website, um, that it was rumored that production on this game was shortened greatly to focus on the production of the White Wolf of Icicle Creek, which featured a new game interface. That makes sense. That really makes sense because if you all listeners recall when we discussed the White Wolf of Icicle Creek, I remember one thing that I, um, said initially that really blew my mind as far as these games go around this time period was there's a scene where um, it's in the beginning part of that game where, uh, you know, the bunkhouse has already exploded. We are talking to Chantal who owns the lodge on the phone and the character of the like caretaker, like he's standing there. We're having this conversation on speakerphone and his character is actually breathing. Like you can see the chest movement of the character breathing. And it's like, 
that game to me was so beautiful and so well done and was a long game. So compared to this one, I could see how people would think that. I mean, I don't know. It, It didn't seem like quite as much went into this game compared to White Wolf. Yeah. So I don't know if we'll ever know for sure if that was really the case. Um, but it's mentioned on here. So I thought I would just mention it. Uh, like I said, we see the Hardy boys on the beach and talk to them and find out that they are doing some undercover work as well. And they are actually checking out uh, Big Island Mike and his daughter Pua because they are apparently going to be approached to be in some type of ad campaign. And the company that is doing the ad wants to make sure that they're on the up and up, you know, that there's no skeletons in the closet or anything like that, which is totally understandable. And then we learn a little bit more about this Kane Okala character, which was, like I said, apparently a man that was burned in a volcano and, um, Bad things happen after he's supposedly seen. And we talked to Big Island Mike about it. And he's convinced that Kane Okala is back because of uh, what the people are doing at the Healy Healy Research Center. Because it's so hush-hush and no one actually really knows what's going on there. Um, so at this point, I did the necklace, got the key for the Jeep. Okay, for the shells that you get on the beach... And, you know, like, there's the the tree that kind of, like, is falling over mm-hmm. part way down. And, like, when you try to click to keep going, Nancy's like, oh, I got to do, like, the case and stuff. But I'm like, you can go on for as far as you want to because there could be more shells on the beach, not just in the small section that we're allowed to be in. Yeah. Yeah, I wish we could have explored more of the beach because, yeah, there could have been a lot more opportunity to find more shells quicker. Yeah. More animation cost, I guess. Probably. So at this point, I um, am driving the Jeep and we go over this bridge and um, a big wave like knocks out the bridge. And so we're stuck. Mm-hmm. Can't go back to the immersion ex- excursion building. So it's all up to Frank and Joe. It is. And uh, we get stuck in a ditch in the Jeep. So we're going to have to figure out how to pull the Jeep out of a ditch by ourselves. Yeah. So I remember playing this game for the first time and got to that part. And I was like, how in the heck am I going to get this Jeep out by myself? (laughs) Or realizing that there's like a pulley system that I could use. (laughs) It took a while to get used to that pulley system. Yeah. Like once you got all the parts you needed. Yeah. We kind of look around and we are actually at um, camp quickly um, and it's been ransacked and Dr. Kim is nowhere to be found. Yeah. Somewhat concerning because that's the whole reason we're there. Joe then tries to leave a voicemail about the bridge being um, ruined And at this point was when I started to explore um, the camp and the tent area and listen to the tape because whoever or whatever was ransacking the camp um, accidentally hit record on a a recording device and just recorded the audio of the entire event. So it was very scary sounding. I remember 
playing this game the first time and thinking what in the world is making all that noise. Yeah. It's very unsettling. Yeah. Um, so then at this point I called Frank and Joe and um, we switched roles. And so now we were playing as Joe. And I find that we very rarely play as Joe. Yeah. Every, like, the few times that we do play with the Hardy Boys, it's always Frank that we're mm-hmm. playing as. So. Yeah. Which is interesting because if, I wonder if, like, when you're playing as them, it's not like you can see the other brother. Like, where's the other brother at? When we're Except playing for- as Joe, where is Frank? Like, that's about the, one of the notes I put down. Like, every... The time that we were Joe, we never saw Frank. Yeah. But then when we were Frank, we didn't see Joe, obviously, because he got, spoiler, like, knocked out in a little while. Yeah. So, like, I could see that. The only time we got to see Joe what, while we are being Frank that I remember is in Midnight in Salem. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, well. Yeah. Um. um Another thing, before we keep going, did you notice that every time Nancy called the brothers and it was like we switched over to Frank and Joe, they're always standing in the exact same spot? Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are they always have to be in the same spot for? Couldn't they have, like, be on different places? <laughs> uh, yeah, you would think, but I, I assume that was probably just a, a quick workaround, a way to save on animation, save time, you know? I guess. That's what I was thinking. But yeah, I did notice that too. <laughs> um, so like I said, I've switched and I'm now playing as Joe. And pretty much the first thing that happens is an earthquake, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is very unsettling. Um, I don't know about you, but I've never been in an earthquake. Um, I know of ones that have happened near where I am, but I myself, I don't think I've ever experienced one. Um But the thing about Kentucky is, like, Kentucky, like, where I live in Kentucky, um, we're, like, on a fault line. So if there ever was an earthquake, it could be bad just because of, like, the way that the plates are in the ground or whatever. I don't exactly know how that all works, but I just know that we're on a fault line. Um, I remember doing drills and stuff for it in school, but... You know, like I said, nothing ever happened. So, um, but I'm sure that that was pretty scary. Um, and so uh, I then went and talked to Pua, which is Big Mike's daughter. And the information on her says uh, her entire life is dedicated to surfing. And she's teaching Frank and Joe how to surf as well. Um, I wish we could have done that. Yeah. I think that would have been fun. I found it funny when um, Joe was talking to Pua. Pua was saying that Frank has never stood up on his surfboard yet. And yeah. Joe found that hilarious. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like that's like a, a brotherly response to mm-hmm. think that he hasn't done it yet. Like he can't do it. I'm sure it's yeah. not that he can't do it. I'm sure he's probably just nervous, which I would be too. <laughs> Gotta have really good balance and yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I feel kind of bad for Pua because it's like, and obviously, I mean, we're not getting a, a really big picture of like other people she might interact with, but I mean, she's a young girl and like I said, surfing is like her whole life. Like that's all she does. So it, it makes me wonder if that makes her sad. Like she's not necessarily being like a normal girl, her age. So, you know, could be issues there. Walked around a little bit more and then changed back over to Nancy. Um, and I got the Jeep out of the ditch. And then I went to the Healy Healy Center and met um, Dr. Craven. And that was when I had to do um, get the seeds for the solar panel to get the cells for, to fix the solar panel. Dr. Craven was scary <laughs> and mean. Dr. Cranky Pants. Yeah, would not want to be on his bad side, that's for sure. Um, when is when is he ever in a good mood? Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> so, at that point, after I got the cells to fix the solar panel, I called Dr. Kim. have no idea where she's at because it was cutting in and out. Um, and then... I switched back over to Joe and he is like looking around Big Island Mike's because he, uh, Mike left and um, we're like opening drawers and stuff. And then Joe gets clobbered. Yeah. And once again, I mean, at least this time he goes and gets medical treatment because I mean, it's, you know, Nancy gets hit over the head and she wakes up and everything's fine. Why can't Nancy just go and get checked out for once i don't know and like i wish that because frank and joe go on like mystery stuff together why can't it be like nancy and george and like nancy and bess or something but then like i know that in alibi and ashes you get to be like best george and ned but it's not the same when it's like nancy is like out solving a mystery like here and she can't just have one of her friends along and then switch back and forth with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the closest that we get to that was what legend of the crystal skull. Kind I of. Guess. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I eventually find out that Dr. Kim is at a place called three finger rock. And I don't know about you, but when I got there, that rock formation doesn't look like fingers to me. It looks like toes. I put the same thing in my notes. I'm like, that. those do not look like fingers at all. They look more like toes. Yeah, they look like toes. <laughs> but, I mean, hey, at least we're on the same wavelength. Um, <laughs> so uh, we finally find Dr. Kim, and she's um, interesting. Just, you know, trying to be nice. Uh, she goes off on tangents a lot. Uh, she's a talker, but she's like real awkward. Um, and that's part of our job is to tell her when she's digressing and going off topic and trying to rein her back in, which to, I mean, that seems like a full-time job, but you know. So my thing is like, cause obviously Quigley is like pretty much up in the trees all the time and the mm -hmm. harness I'm like, I don't think that would be comfortable after no, a long time. Not. And like, absolutely not. And I'm assuming she's up there pretty much the whole time. 
Yeah. And I'm like, and she even says that she thinks better when she's like up in the air and not with her feet on the ground. But I'm like, okay, that would just, I, I would feel like I would be getting a wedgie all the time. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No, I couldn't imagine. No, that would suck. It'd be very uncomfortable. Uh, no, not for me. <laughs> no, me neither. Um, so at this point, Dr. Kim wants us to find her clipboard. So we have to go back to the camp and get that. And then we bring it back to her and the first page is torn off and she thinks that we did it, but obviously we didn't. And so this is the point where we tell her that the camp has been ransacked and everything's a mess. So now we have to go back and recreate her work, which she actually was kind of excited about because by doing so, we're double checking the numbers that she came up with. And this is, I guess, the much dreaded frass puzzle. I feel like that's one of the issues that a lot of people have with this game. Yeah. So, I mean, it is kind of a pain in the butt and takes a while, but, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, that, that one was kind of confusing and it took me a while. But mm -hmm. then uh, my thought with this is that if, you know, when you write something too hard on like a piece of paper and there's like nothing behind, couldn't. And you can use like a pencil or something to like shade it so you could see what was written. Mm -hmm. Why could Nancy not have done that instead of looking at all these numbers again? I mean, that's a good point because we have done um, tasks in other games where we do shading. So why could Nancy not do this in this game? That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Good point. Maybe they did it this way to add extra playtime. Um, I feel like sometimes, I feel like most games probably have like one puzzle in particular that's a little bit longer than all the rest of them in order to try to eat up some game time and, you know, try to extend the game time, I guess I should say. Yeah. So maybe that's the reason. How long did it take you to get Quigley's trunk open? Uh, not very long because I wrote down the sounds when I was listening to the other recording. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. No. Like I had to listen to the tape a couple of times <laughs> just to be sure like I got all the, like the combination in the right order. Yeah. But then, yeah, like it didn't take me all that long. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was at this point that I realized that um, her microscope lens was broken. And so I had to go back to the Healy Healy. And it was at this point that Dr. Craven was asleep and snoring very, very loudly. For me, it was a bit later. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, that's one of the things I love about these games is that you don't necessarily have to do everything in a certain specific order. You know what I just remembered we didn't say earlier? What? What level did you play at? <laughs> oh my gosh, I totally forgot. Oh, junior detective, always. I went senior. Oh my god, thoughts and prayers. I wonder how that changes the Frass game. It's still kind of a pain in the butt. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I assume. I wonder if there's a website somewhere that tells all the differences between the different levels. That would be cool. Yeah. I don't know if that exists or not. If it doesn't, it should. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no. You know what? 
Dr. Craven wasn't asleep yet. I read the wrong part of my notes. He was awake when I went to, to talk to him about the broken microscope because I had to do the fertilizer for the plants, which that took me forever too. Mm-hmm. That was almost as bad as doing the frass. Um, <laughs> and then as we're leaving there and we get the uh, lens from him, he freaks out and fires someone over the phone and he very suspiciously makes very similar sounds to the recording that we heard at the ransacked camp. Yep. Kind of interesting. Um, and weird that you would get that angry. I mean, I understand being angry about something if it's like something serious, but like, grunting like that and making noises like that is very weird but okay yeah anyways um so uh it was at this point that i went to kapu cave because i had started doing the frass but there were a couple of other um sections that we had to get outside of the cave and that's when we noticed um that there were lots of webs and i remember the first time i played this game i got really scared because i thought i was going to see big spider <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't because you know me, I'm terrified of spiders, do not like them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got everything for the um, to finish the frass puzzle, and turns out that the number that we got matches the number that Dr. Kim got. So she's very excited and is talking about how um, it's going to make her famous. Um, that she's now learned that for some reason, um, this certain type of bug is like reproducing at a ridiculous rate. And now she needs to figure out why, um, like the numbers are unheard of. So, uh, that was also the webbing that we saw at the cave was apparently this type of caterpillar. So thank God it wasn't spiders. (laughs) Gross. Um, and then at this point, I switched over and was playing as Frank because obviously, like I said, last time we were playing as one of the Hardy boys, it was Joe and he got knocked out. So he, uh, Nancy pay attention is getting medical treatment for being knocked out. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead. And it's been a hot minute since we've done it, but wisdom with Candace, if you get knocked out, go get yourself checked out. Yeah. It's better to be safe than sorry. You don't want to mess around if you have a concussion. No. It's very serious. So Nancy, okay. So we'll talk about more Nancy and being aware of her surroundings when we get to the books, because I have thoughts. <laughs> yeah. God love her. Uh-huh. Um, so at this point, uh, I had to do a lot of fishing because I had to get money in order to rent the snorkeling gear. That took forever to get enough money. Yeah, I had to do a whole lot of fishing, but I can't say that I'm super mad about it because I really enjoy games where we have to uh, fish. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the, I mean, Secret of the Scarlet Hand, White Wolf of Icicle Creek, this one. Are there any other games where we fish? Or is that it? I think it's just those ones. It might be it. Um, but yeah, that's one of my favorite mini games that we do. Uh, I really enjoyed it. So I really didn't mind that it, it took a while to get all of the money that we needed. And then I went and talked to Big Island Mike about how uh, Joe 
got clobbered and he seemed to think it was some like beggar transient person that it was just like a one-off thing. And I mean, he's really kind of blowing it off. Like it wasn't that big of a deal. And then we um, found the pawn shop receipt on the floor and called um, the pawn shop to see who it was that got that receipt. And it's some character named Johnny Kudo. And the guy who works at the pawn shop is looking for him as well, because apparently this Johnny Kudo guy sold the pawn shop um, stolen items. Yeah. Which obviously is not good. And I mean, that's, that's something that you run the risk of doing if you have a pawn shop. Um, You know, you never know if you're getting things that belong to someone or if they're stolen. I mean, I feel like a lot of times, that's the scenario. So like a 50, 50 chance. Yeah. Not super surprising. Um, but yeah, apparently he's, uh, this guy stole some electronics and sold it to the pawn shop and Frank gets the guy's phone number and calls and leaves a voicemail and basically says, I know what you did and you should probably call me back if you know it's good for you. (laughs) And surprisingly it works. Yeah, I didn't quite think that was going to work the first time I played this game, but um, needless to say, Johnny calls and um, basically says that, uh, yeah, he was the one that hit Joe and Joe just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And this guy is doing something with Big Island Mike and we don't really know exactly what it was at first. But apparently this Johnny Kudo guy said that whatever their arrangement was, he followed through on his end of it, but Mike did not follow through on his end. Yeah. So sounds like this Kudo guy was trying to get Big Mike, which is a scary thought because Big Mike lives up to his nickname. He's a big guy. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how well that would have worked out for Johnny, but... Oh, well. Um, And uh, Johnny sees right through Frank and that Frank doesn't really know what's going on. And so, you know, before he reveals anymore, the kudo guy hangs up. Then I went and talked to Pua. Um, She is acting like she doesn't know anything that's going on with her dad. She said that if he is involved in something, there could be a place that he could be hiding stuff which would be inside of a lava tube that he calls the chamber because it's so big. And apparently the the entrance to this particular tube was destroyed when the earthquake happened earlier. But Pua says that there is a way if you go through the water to get there. Um, And then at that point I asked Mike if he knew who this Johnny Kudo guy was and he denied it, you know, sus, but okay trying to figure out where the entrance is through the water. And Pua said that there was a chart that was in that locked box outside the shop near like the shaved ice area. So we got that open. Uh, No, actually I didn't open it yet. Called Nancy first. Yeah. Called Nancy first. Then I went to the Healy Healy and that was when Dr. Craven was asleep because he'd been having some kind of like allergic reaction to something there at the lab and he took (laughs) took histamine medicine and it knocked him out 
Time for snooping. Yeah. Um, so that was probably one of my favorite parts. Cause like I've said before, I love being able to snoop and look at things. So we looked for, up the information of the person who got fired earlier and ended up finding the torn page from Dr. Kim's clipboard, which makes it seem like it was Dr. Craven that ruined the camp. Yeah. So, you know, not looking too good for him. Now let me, this is where I forgot to continue writing my notes. So got to look and make sure that I don't forget anything. Um, like I said, I was looking through um, the PDA on Dr. Craven's desk. And of course, I woke him up the first time I played this. Um, so you yeah. have to like, mute it so that you don't wake him up. I went into the greenhouse after I got the like yellow hazmat suit or whatever. And then I used the computer inside of the plant and then saw that um, something was shipped to the person that is getting the Hardy Boys to check out the Mapus. So that's kind of sus. Literally, as soon as I'm finished looking at, at the computer, there's the alert for an intruder, which I remember being super scared of. It's like, <laughs> how, how did they know Nancy was an intruder? I mean, they just must have, like, ridiculous security measures because it's so top secret there is all I can think of. Like, whenever we looked at one of the other guys, like, that's spraying the mm -hmm. stuff, like, you can't even see their faces. I know. So, like, how can they tell Nancy was the intruder? I mean, unless they're, like they know exactly how many people are in there at that time and then take into account the guy that was fired yet there's still another person there and they don't know who it is maybe it's just process of elimination i don't know maybe i don't know and then we go and get a pineapple leaf sample and then we leave the greenhouse and go back to camp and do the analysis and then we went back and talked to Quigley because the stuff doesn't match. So we had to get samples out of her bag and go and analyze them at the camp again. And then we found out that the, the fritillated flag beetle larva is a match. Talked to Dr. Kim again. Like Nancy does more driving, I feel like, than anything else. Yeah, there was a lot of driving in this one. Thank God it wasn't like, like I said, like having to actually drive with like the arrow keys. It was just clicking on the map. Yeah. It reminds me of Dora almost be like, it's the map, it's the map, it's the map, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Where do we have to go now? Yeah. I went to Kapu Cave and was looking um, at the uh, teeth puzzle. Obviously, I couldn't continue. I had to call the Hardy Boys. Switch back to Frank. We tell him about uh, Richard Aikens and his connection to Healy Healy. And so now Frank is going to snoop some more. This is when we went and uh, we had to figure out what shave ice flavor or flavors was Big Island Mike's favorite in order to get the password for that little box outside for the chart. Um, so that took forever the first time that I played just because there were so many ridiculous combinations. Yeah, took forever. Thankfully, there were only like one penny or whatever one big island mic buck or whatever it's like don't you find that like every game 
like some of the games that we've played, like the money is based off a character's name. Mm-hmm. Paw pennies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got that. And then open the trunk and get the chart. And then I called Nancy and we're back at Kapu Cave and doing the teeth puzzle. So got through that. Um, and then I call Frank and tell him that we're going down the secret path. And then um, we have to do the jumping from one section to another. We had to do the elements puzzle and we fell down into the chamber. And then there was the story puzzle where we had to put it like in order. The eyes on those statues were creepy. They're very creepy. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Switch back to Frank. Um, lots of back and forth on this game, I feel oh, like. Yeah. A whole lot of back and forth. Especially like in the ending part of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More so at the end, yeah. Um, and then it was at this point that it was time to do the snorkeling. And then uh, we had to go with the water currents, which that is so scary. Um, like, I don't know about you, but... Like, if you didn't click, because obviously you have to do it in the sequence of, mm-hmm. like, the animals. Mm-hmm. Like, if, but if you didn't click on the, whichever animal fast enough, you essentially died. Yeah, so, one of the many, there are many ways. There's, like, nine or ten different ways. We'll talk about the dying parts later. Yeah, because, you know, everyone knows it's my favorite part. <laughs> That's so something that I found, like, because I had, a, like. I just start back, like, I did a second chance that one a few times until I got, like, the order of them. Because, like, you have to do it quick. Yeah. Like, pick on whichever one will quick. Or else be like, okay, you have to second chance again. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. We're in the cave. And you see the boulder that we had to step out of the way of. Otherwise, we were going to get hit with it. Um, and then we see, a, like, a door. And we enter this big chamber. There are all these statues that are in there. And then we see the entrance that was messed up by the earthquake. And if you look um, at the crates with canisters, they're completely covered by those flag beetles. We see, I mean, it's very clearly end game. And we see Big Mike. And then Pua comes in after. Yeah. And da 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 the culprits are Big Mike and Pua. Yeah. Big surprise. So uh, I didn't realize that the tile puzzle at the end is random. Uh-huh. So you and I had a discussion about that earlier today when we were finishing the game and how long oh. it can take. <laughs> how long did it take you to get this puzzle done? Um, it was upwards of 20 minutes at least, if not longer. It took me up to 45 minutes just to get this freaking puzzle done. Oh my god, did it really take you that long? Yeah, because every time I would get close to like the exit that I would have to get to, Mike would always like get his spot and then he would take off with Pua. I'm like, are you freaking kidding? Like, why can't I get the piece that will take me out of here? Like, stop giving it to Mike! Yeah, you you first messaged me. You said that you'd been going at the puzzle for 15 minutes. That was at 3.03 p.m. So it was 15 <laughs> minutes before that. And then you finally, you sent me a message. I finally finished the game and it was four o'clock. <laughs> uh, uh, so, I mean, like, you know. 
I had taken a break in there too, so like, yeah, you know, I a little bit, but still, I'm like, oh god, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it definitely took a while for this one. Like I said before, we even started doing this replay. I didn't quite understand why people dogged this game so badly. I don't think it's. I don't think it's the worst. It's not the best, but it's not the worst. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I Now that I saw that thing where, like I said, there were rumors that more attention was placed on White Wolf of Icicle Creek. I mean, in comparison, I can see that. So that makes sense to me. Um, so maybe that was the scenario with this one. I really like the idea of um, the, having a game in Hawaii because I think, you know, it's a beautiful location. They could have done a little more with it. Yeah. Cause it's like, there's only so many places you can go to, mm-hmm. you know, and it's yeah. like, you're very restricted. Yeah. I found it funny that every time you went to the Healy Healy, the, we had to press the button to get in. And then the guy that would let you in, he was like, uh, state your reason. And then he would stop and he's like, oh, it's you. I have to let you in. Oh my God. Yeah. That was <laughs> <laughs> the way he said it every time. It was so funny. It made me think that he's probably like a younger guy, like probably young, like early twenties. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way that he said it. It was so funny every time. Yeah. So I have um, some trivia that okay. was on the, the Nancy Drew wiki page. So the first one is Pua is the name of the Hawaiian state flower. Didn't know that. The Hardy Boys look different from Last Train to Blue Moon Canyon, obviously, due to mm-hmm. her interactive hiring a new artist for the games. Didn't know that. Uh, Kapu means forbidden in Hawaiian. This is the first game in the series in which the player can control someone other than Nancy, with the exception of playing as Frank Hardy for a small part in Last Train to Blue Moon Canyon, and also controlling Bess in Legend of the Crystal Skull. Uh, as a glitch, after you look at Dr. Craven's organizer after he's awake and back at his station, you can still look at it without him getting mad at you, but if you unmute the organizer, he will get mad at you. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, when you are looking at the employee names at Dr. Malachi Craven's organizer, you may see four familiar names. McKay H. refers to Heather McKay from Danger by Design. Yeah. Hogan H. refers to Hulk Hogan, uh, wrestler. Okay. <laughs> Simpson H. refers to Homer Simpson from The Simpsons. What the heck? And Stuart L. refers to Stuart Little from the movie. Stuart Little. Okay, okay, why did those three of them are so random? I know. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, pretty interesting. This is the first Nancy Drew game to use the 2006 logo. Mm-hmm. And then Dr. Quigley's voice is almost similar to actress Fran Drescher, who, you know, is very like nasally well known for that. Um, so that's all the trivia that I found. And then here we are. Once again, my favorite section, <laughs> death sequences. Are you ready to die, Candace? Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Game dying. There are many ways to do this. So um, you can wake up Dr. Craven by failing to mute the PDA. Did that one. I, yep. got, I second chanced it. Definitely did that one. 
fertilize the plants improperly and Dr. Craven will make Nancy leave. Nope. Didn't do that. Like I, like I didn't have to second chance it. I mean, yeah. Get caught looking at the employee roster at Healy Healy. Yep. Uh, Get caught impersonating a worker in the plant room. Yep. Drown while snorkeling by reaching for shells too long. No. This one sounds horrible. Fall into the lava in Kapu Cave. Didn't do that. (laughs) Get the element puzzle wrong and Nancy will be shot with a dart. Oh, God. (laughs) Get the story puzzle wrong and Nancy will be crushed by the boulder. So I got it right, the boulder puzzle, but I didn't get out of the way fast enough. Yeah. So I got smushed. Yeah. Uh, take a wrong passage while snorkeling or wait too long to decide which way you're going to go and you get sucked in. Yeah, I second chance that one. Yep. And then allow the villain to get away. That happened to me a million times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So lots of different ways to have to second chance it in this game. Like I said, overall, um, not a favorite by any stretch of the imagination, but not completely horrible i don't know i mean it's i i wouldn't necessarily say it's super memorable um but it was good to revisit it because like i said i I hadn't played this one in a long time yeah i do have some listener thoughts okay let's hear some listener comments let's hear Grey's Bliss said, 14-year-old me yelled when it was done. It was boring. (laughs) 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 Lexi underscore Jones said, had potential but missed the mark. Too short, too much nonsense, lol. Yeah, I I can see that. I feel like, yeah, this one could be finished quicker than some games. I don't quite think it's as short necessarily as the Haunted Carousel. I think to me that might be the shortest game. But yeah, in in comparison to some games, like I know I keep comparing it to White Wolf of Bicycle Creek, but I feel like that one is probably one of the longest games, I think. Yeah, probably. I could see how some people would think that this game's just a little bit too short. Yeah. Kate underscore casting i don't know if i'm saying your name right i'm sorry uh they said one of my favorite games love working with the hardy boys super relaxing as well yeah yeah i feel like um if you're really like into doing like the necklace making and the fishing and stuff that you could i wouldn't say waste a lot of time but i don't really know how else to say it you could spend a lot of time i guess doing those extra things that aren't really super necessary um, for the completion of the game, I mean, yeah, you got to get the 30 Big Island bucks in order to get the snorkeling gear. But, I mean, you could go further than that. Like, you can get all the money that you want. You can eat all kinds of shaved ice. And I mean, you know, yeah. there, there's different ways you can spend your time besides solving the actual mystery. Yeah. Uh, they also said, one of my favorite games, especially interchanging with the Hardys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's um, fine. And then the last thing that they said was, love the fact that Nancy can't work without something involving the Hardys. And 
I guess, five out of five, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> Mina, then you said, it's not a fan favorite, but it was one of my first and I love it. Yep, I understand that. Rach Flora said, my college roommate gave it to me, so it always makes me think of her. Aw. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. And the final thought was from Ray of Light underscore 13. He said, my fave, beautiful and very chill. Love the mini games. Yeah. 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 Like I said, if this is one where you really want to spend some time just like doing the tasks that you can do, this is a good one for that. Yeah. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, all in all, not horrible, not my favorite. I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about it? Pretty much feel the same way. Like I wouldn't put it in like my most favorite games and I wouldn't put it in my most least favorite games. Yeah. But it's like kind of in the middle. Yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah. So. Yeah. How long has it been since you played it? Long time. It's been years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it it is fun. Um even if it might not necessarily be like your favorite game, it is fun to revisit it after so long because there were several things that I did not remember. Like I didn't remember um the actual cave being covered in all the webs and stuff and just various small things like that I didn't remember. So, it was fun. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, so I guess that's it. Look at that. We get to replay all these games that we haven't in a while. I know. I know. It's been fun. It really has. Yeah. I mean, you know, I really wish that we could get a new game that was not going to be like Midnight in Salem because, I don't know, it was just, it's hard to beat the excitement of back when I was younger and these games were coming out regularly. The excitement for a new one coming out, like, you just can't put it into words. It was just, it was fun. Yeah. And we don't have that now. So it's like, ugh. but oh, well. <laughs> Guys, stay tuned. We're coming up next. The interview. We hope you enjoy it. It's a good one. <laughs> Hello, Leslie, and welcome. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me, Alexa. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's such a pleasure to have you on. And it's just, I'm, I'm going to admit I'm fangirling a little bit. Oh, you're so fun. (laughs) That's fun. And it's, you know, not every day that we get to meet some of the voice characters from the games that we love so much. So it's so nice to chat with you a little bit today. Oh, you bet. You bet. Well, I'm I'm happy to be here, really. And uh, voice acting is so much fun because, uh, A, doesn't matter what you look like, right? And uh, B... I think personally, my voice gets better with age. So um, I'm here in my studio. You can, I've got a broadcast ready studio. I work out of this baby five, sometimes six days a week, um, just pumping out all kinds of stuff. So it's really fun. I'm I'm working on a um, a World of Warcraft character right now, which has been really fun, but I can't say much because they make you sign all this, you know, NDR stuff, but um, I will tell you that I'm deliciously evil in this one. So, <laughs> yes. So it's fun. fun. And, I, and I sound like um, 
Kate Blanchett after she smoked about four packs of cigarettes. So it's it's a it's a really vocally taxing, but um, just fun. You know, I get to play in the sandbox with other actors. So, you know, yeah, that sounds like a good time. That kind of uh, leads me into my first question of um, how did you get started doing voice acting? I kind of stumbled into it. I would kind of like say like through the back door. I was a my father was a character actor. So my dad worked with the greats. He worked with John Wayne and Elvis Presley. And he's, my dad's still alive. He's 91. He's doing really well. He wow. did a bunch of uh, character actor. You know, this is way before your all's time, you know, bonanzas and gun smokes and all this kind of stuff. So I always went on location with him and I thought, oh, well, this is what I'm going to do. But I, I found that I, I don't know. I kind of liked the the voice acting better. So I started in radio in of all places, um, Kailua Kona on the Big Island. I started uh, working radio there, spinning records, uh, the oldies, and then uh, moved to Anchorage, Alaska with my husband and did radio up there. And um, I it was kind of a grind, the radio aspect of it. I mean, it was fun. You know, you're on the air. I was on the air from... 10 to three, um, but it's very rigid. You know, you have specific times when, you know, you open the mic and you're always playing the same song. So it was kind of like, oh my gosh, the agony of repeat as I call it. But then afterward, I would go into the production room and I would cut the commercials for the sponsors for, of my radio show. And that's where I went. This is what I want to do. Cause it was so fun and so creative. And I didn't, I mean, this was back uh, probably before you all were, you know, even a fig Newton of your parents' imagination. And so this was, this was back in the, <clears throat> let me kind of think about this. The late eighties is when I, when I got started in voiceover work and I didn't even know like this was a thing you could get paid for this. So that's how it started. Wow. Yeah. Kind of dovetailing into that, um, do you have any like formal education in this or training or anything like that? No, I don't. When wow. I first got into it, I didn't. I was, I was, you know, kind of running from the seat of my pants. I, I did have, um, this was a fun little story for you guys. I did have, um, you know, an acting background. Um, I, I have to share this with you real quick because it's very silly. So. I met my husband and we're going to be, um, we're going to be 39 years. My 39th anniversary is next week. So um, I met Jack in the parking lot in a circus tent um, at Universal Studios. We were learning how to sword fight for um, the production of, you know, uh, Universal Studios. They always do the live stage shows of the hottest movie of the summer. Okay, so I'm really going to date myself now. So the hot movie of the summer was um, Conan the Barbarian. So Jack was cast as Conan and I was Red Sonia uh, and never knew him or anything. But we we learned uh, this really intricate, you know, sword fighting uh, routine uh, that I think we were, it was like a six, six weeks we had to learn this show. And so um, then Universal Studios got wind that, so our courtship was really fast. I mean, I didn't even, you know, I was dating another guy, but, you know, I mean, Conan was making a move. So it's like, okay, <laughs> so 
anyway, Universal Studios got wind that, um, you know, their leads were getting married. And so they approached us and they said, hey, if you let us publicize your wedding, we'll take care of all the expenses and everything. So we kind of went, Okay. So um, we were married on the set. My wedding pictures look like I was married in the dungeons of hell. And, uh, you know, it was quite the adventure, but it's great to say, you know, 39 years later, we're still um, heading strong. So I have to tell you this too, guys, because after, after uh, the Conan and Red Sonia show, then we when then we went up to after we were married we went up to Alaska my husband was working up in the oil fields up there but the same director that did that show he couldn't find his leads for um a touring show that toured the country it toured USA and Canada and it was He-Man She-Ra and the Masters of the Universe Power Tour so my husband was He-Man and I was She-Ra so I went from a barbarian to a superhero. So I'm telling you all this because I did have a theatrical background in in the voiceover industry. I mean, I mean you have to have you have to have some type of acting because it is. That's what it is. It's voice acting. Um since I started, then I started training and I've never stopped training and I actually teach voiceover classes, a uh, voiceover level 2 class. Um they're four week classes for folks that are very interested in getting into this crazy business, um, I do teach and I love it. I never knew I would be teaching. So it's kind of come full circle. Wow. Crazy, crazy. huh? Great <laughs> <laughs> uh, stories. Kind of going <laughs> off of like that kind of thing um, with the voiceover kind of thing. Um, what would you, like if people are wanting to go into voiceover, what kinds of things would you like recommend or kind of like tips to guide them on their way? I think first and foremost, you have to have a passion for it. You have to want to do this because in any, like any career, it's going to take work and it's, it's a process. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of people doing it, but I'm also uh, one to say, Hey, you know, there is enough pie to go around, especially now in this day and age and with the technology so different now and the landscape is so different than when I started, you know, it's very easy now for people to set up a studio and get their mic and get their equipment, but they're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to um, take classes, know your skills. The first and foremost, if this is something that you want to get into, you need to start reading out loud. You have to be a phenomenal reader um, so that then you can interpret interpret the script very quickly um, and um, put your spin on it. And I always tell my students, I said, just be you because everyone else is taken, um, you know, and there's so many genres in voiceover. What do you want to do? Do you want to do commercial? Do you want to do promo? Do you want to do in-show narration? Do you want to do documentaries? A lot of people want to do Disney and stuff. It's like, well, great, good for you, but also good luck and stand in line because there are a ton of people that love animation. But, you know, again, if you are driven and that's your God-given desire, I say go for it, but just prepare for the avalanche, so to speak, meaning do your homework, get get the tr proper training, get your demos, demos done, and then you start auditioning. You know, people ask me, what do I do for a living? I audition for a living. That's what I do. Truly. 
And it's what I do. And that's what voice actors do. I have agents all around the country and um, in different hot pockets, you know, Chicago, New York, LA, uh, Atlanta, um, and not just agents. I also go out and find my own work as well. But, you know, I'll get up in the mornings and I've got auditions from all these different agencies. And I, that's what I do. I, so, so not only am I a voice actor, I have to be a director. I have to edit my work and send it out and efficiently and quickly, you know, so I've been doing this for so long. It's easy for me to, you know, knock out 10, 12 auditions a day, but for people that are starting, you know, it's daunting initially, but, you know, once you get your skills down and your confidence in order and, you know, you've got um, something you know, your point of view to express, go for it. Like for some of the video games kinds that you've been a part of, have you been able to meet some of like the other characters from the games or is it just kind of like no. you do your lines? And then... You know, and that, yeah, unfortunately, no, you know, um, especially now in this day and age, 99.8% of the time I'm here in my in my padded cell, as I call it, doing my work. And I'll hear my actors in my, in my, uh, we call these cans in my headphones, you know, or, uh, but you, but you know, what you're really doing is you're listening to the director and, um, you know, he's directing you and, and asking for either a bigger performance or a different cadence to your voice or something like this. There have been a couple of times, uh, I did a video game a couple of years ago called, uh, masquerada or something like that and I that was really great because I actually was able to go into studio and work with the other actors which is a blast because your performance level just elevates when you get to work off of the other actors but you know for the most part no <laughs> and you know even in this latest thing that I'm doing um I I do go to LA to the studio to record this latest uh World of Warcraft uh, installment, but um, it's just me and the engineer. And then I've got my London director in one headphone and my New York director in the other. And then I see the, I see the remnants. I see what my character looks like, which helps me to find the voice and get into character. So it's a crazy business. <laughs> Along those lines, do you prefer working kind of on your own in your home or would you prefer to be like out in a studio with other people at the same time what what works best for you that's a great question uh Candace I if I could have it my way I'd love to wiggle my nose and be in studio working with other actors but then I'm on the other side of the table I love being home I mean my commute is dodging the dog toys on the way to my studio and I'm in and I'm out and, you know, it's here and I can, I have other loves, you know, I'm, I'm an equestrian. I, um, I ride a lot of people's horses and train people's horses. So, you know, you know, it's finding balance to doing all that. I, I'm an artist. So I, I, I love to, I paint stones. So I'd love to have time to do that as well. Um, so balance is something that I'm constantly searching for. And if I was driving all the time to a studio, I think I'm spoiled now to be candid, you know, and COVID was so weird, but COVID was, um, COVID was actually a, a good year for me because 
I could do everything. I could edit. I can master. I can put music down. What do you guys want? Let's go. Right. And so it kind of changed the landscape of, of work even more for everyone because, um, you know, it, it allowed me to utilize the skills that I've, you know, worked with all these years. So I don't know if I even answered your question. I think you I, mean, did. I, I did, did I? Because I do love, I do love being home. Right. You know? it's, it's a, it's lovely to do that, to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're getting ready to record a voice, do you personally have anything like, I guess, superstition wise, something that you have to do in order to kind of get in the headspace to be ready to start working? What a great question. That's a great question. I think my answer would be, I need to have my cup of coffee, even though that's like, probably the last thing that I'm supposed to drink, you know, but I, I just, I think my greatest thing is to be prepared. I just need to be prepared. And, and the greatest thing that a voice actor needs is to be a good listener because I need to be, if the director says I need more orange, I need to know what that means, or I need to give him what he's asking for. So preparedness is everything. One of my favorite reasons why I love voice acting so much versus on camera work is I don't have to memorize a darn thing. It's right in front of me. And that's so much freedom. And, you know, and that's, that's the best part. And, you know, take care of your voice. You know, I always have, you know, my jug of water right here and my granny Smith apples in case you make some weird noises, mouth noises, all that attractive stuff that we all have, you know, just a bite or two of an apple and and it's gone. You know, preparedness. That's my, that's what I need. Makes sense. Yeah. Like that's out of all the voices that you've done, um, which one would probably be the hardest that you've had to do? Ah, the one I'm doing now for World of Warcraft. I'm telling you, it's brutal. It's it's brutal. It, it's, um, um, like I said, she's very evil and she's angry, but the reason why she's angry and I, I'm not, I'm not human in this I can only tell you so much, but um, the reason why she's angry was is because she's been imprisoned for 6,000 years. So she's ticked off. So yeah. she has a reason to be ticked. And so um, thank goodness um, I have a lovely director who has worked, you know, forever in, in the video game genre. So, you know, it's so, it's so stressful on my vocal cords that I request to, to record on Fridays and in really in the morning so that I've got the weekend for my voice to rest so that I can do my other stuff during the week. And I keep going back and I'm so excited because I'm not dead yet. You know, they haven't killed me off yet. So it's like, <laughs> yes, I get to go back. You know? <laughs> so, but um, yeah, that, that it's a hard one because it's so glutteral and, and the boy and the vocal placement is tough. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not yelling and screaming, but again, like it's like uh, I've smoked seven packs of cigarettes, so so I'm I'm way back here, you know. It comes back there, so it's strenuous, you know. And when she breathes, it's you know, and so I'm breathing and doing, and then this voice comes out. Wow, that it's sounds tough. like a, a really tough. Yeah, it's yeah. Tough. But um, but the Nancy Drew one, the um um Quigley, she was fun. Um, she, the, the, the bug girl, as I called her and I didn't, you know, and I needed to, 
to see what she looked like. You know, you, you kind of, and, and there was a, one of the gals actually, she was one of the casting directors. She had the most interesting voice. And I thought for a minute, she was putting it on for, se- for a second. So it's like, what are you doing? And it was her normal voice. And it was very nasally. So she's totally talking through her nose. And it's like, oh my gosh, there's quickly. So that's how that happened. <laughs> you know, it just, I, I take it from life because then it can, then it will be um, more meaningful to me. And then there's, it's more truth. <clears throat> because that that's a that's a huge thing with the voice is um you know you could just put on a stupid voice or you could do something that you know like uh like i don't know like your like your grandmother or like a weird aunt or something because then there's more truth to that because you know this person and you know their personality and that's going to come through in your read and make it that much more memorable so you made that seem so effortless <laughs> Well, all of my characters live within me, you know. <laughs> They're somewhere. We all have a gajillion of them. All of us. I'm sure you all have some in there too. <laughs> kind of going off the of Nancy Drew, um, prior to you being like of the voice of Quigley and the different voices in uh, Crystal Skull, yeah. had you heard about Nancy before that? Or was this no, kind of- and I was so pumped when, um, you know, her interactive hired me because, you know, it's like, I, I think what I did prior to that, I was in a casino game and I was like, you know, one of the sexy girls at the table, you know, they wanted that kind of a read, you know, and you're playing these casino card games. And so she liked what I did. And she goes, would you be interested in, you know, auditioning for, you know, I didn't get it. I had to work for it, but um, you know, how fun. I I don't even know if they're still doing it. I, I, you know, I haven't, uh, I don't know. It's been a while since, you know, that came out, but you all are the Nancy Drew fans. Are they still coming out? The latest game came out uh, three, almost three years ago, I think. Yeah. And it's, you know, there was a time jump between the last game, which was Sea of Darkness, and then this, the new game, Midnight in Salem. And so there's a whole bunch of changes that went on with like her interactive team and that kind of thing so yeah yeah it's, it's yeah. kind of like a general blurb <laughs> oh yeah I got I got you I love it though that you all um you know that, that there are Nancy Drew fans out there I I loved Nancy Drew books as a kid are you kidding me that's how I became a voracious reader I started reading the, my, the, my Nancy Drew books actually they were my older sister's books and I thought she looked really cool reading, so I wanted to be cool. So then I actually started enjoying the stories. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Candice, do you have a question? Well, um, you briefly mentioned, Alexa, um, that there were um, some various different um, female voices that you did in Legend of the Crystal Skull. Do you remember anything that you did for that game? I did. I have to think about that. I did a bunch of different ones. I know I was a phone operator. I was, I just pulled my games out recently just to go, God, what did I, what did I do? You know, because <laughs> I have them there. And it's so fun because um, my daughter and I, we've, we've played them and, and she's just cracks up. She just thinks it's the funniest thing. You know, just a bunch of, uh, I can't remember them all to be, to be candid, but again, going back to the director, uh, 
I don't think they were planning on using me for all those different voices. They just had me for this one voice. And they're like, uh, by the way, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And it's like, well, sure. You got me. Let's go. And that's the same thing that uh, um, happened in um, my latest work that I'm doing with World of Warcraft is, um, hey, uh, you know, we 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 need you to voice this thing. And this is what this character looks like. Are you ready? And I'm, yeah. Yeah let's go, you know, tell me about this character. Well, they're dying from the inside. It's like, okay, how do, how do you make that sound? <laughs> okay. Can you give me, you know, he goes, here's some vocal references and it's just sound effects that are just horrible. You know, this horrible creature that's just rotting from the inside. So, you know, if you have your headphones on and you're listening to this, all of a sudden, your body starts doing this and stuff comes, you know, you know, if you had a camera on me while I'm doing this stuff, it would be quite amusing because, you know, I'm not just sitting here talking, like moving. I'm in a flop sweat by the time I'm done. You know, it's, it's a lot of, of, of work. It's a little more fun though. I mean, Quigley was fun. She, I, I wasn't in a flop sweat there, but everything, everything's a little different, but so fun. I yeah. to be candid, guys. I, I you know I've done I've worked in all genres of voiceover. I do audiobooks. I do commercial work. I do promos. I I'm sure I've put both of you on hold. You know I've done it. I've done it all. But the I will say that the animation and now the the video gaming that whole world is huge and uh, it's a blast. It's an absolute blast. If you're not yelling and screaming, you know that I that I won't do. You know that that's not worth it to me, but yeah. So you said that you like to kind of know a little bit of information about the person that you are portraying. So would you say that you prefer that for all of your work or is it okay? Like if you get hired for a job and you're going in completely blind, like you prefer knowing at least a little bit of background about what you're doing? Oh, you have to. You absolutely have to. And, and you know, the goal is to book the job, right? Remember, I auditioned for a living. I got to book the job. So guys, it is such a numbers game. The voiceover industry is a numbers game. What I mean by that is, well, for example, this latest thing, I mean, there was over, uh, over 278 people that auditioned for this one role. I just happen to be lucky to book it. It doesn't happen every time. It's like, yes, that's a great win. That's a great win. But you know, a lot of times, I mean, it's, you're up against a lot of people that want to do this. And so that's what I teach is, well, how do you book the jobs? How do you, you know, you, because if let's, let's take it from the casting director's perspective. Okay. You're casting a game. Okay. And you've got this, you know, you want to hear somebody do Cynthia, whoever Cynthia is. So you, so on your script, you've got this back backlog of Cynthia. She's a 65-year-old mother of three. Um, she's angry because uh, her husband just left her. I mean, so you get, you have a backstory, so you have emotion, so you understand what's going on. So then what you have to do, and and I'm, again, this not just for, character reads are a little bit different than, say, commercial reads, for example, you know, for, I don't know, serial, medical reads, all kinds of things. You have to in order to make it honest and in order to make it real, you have to, like, I call it the five W's in and the H. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. 
And you need to assemble all of that. Who am I talking to? Why am I talking to them? Where am I? What's my proximity? I mean, all of these things and nuances make such a difference that when that casting director, they are, they're not, they don't listen to your whole audition. If you don't catch them in the first five seconds, they're on to the next. So think about that. The casting director, they come in, they sit down, their work, they got their headphones on. Oh my gosh, I got 300 people I have to listen to. So what I have to do is, first of all, I'm going to listen and sort them out. Those are no's. These guys are yeses. Then they take the yeses and listen to them again a little further and go, this is even better. This is even better. So it's my job as a voice acting coach and teacher to get you there so that you are in that yes pile and make it real, you know, and make it, you know, but it, but it's also connecting, connecting with the audience. It, there's a, there's a whole lot to do. Sure. You can go in there blind and, and be an excellent cold reader, but, you know, again, if you don't have those, you know, who are you talking to, you know, and, and that emotion behind it, you're not going to book anything. You're just, you're just, you just sound good. You know, a lot of people, I, I get this all the time. I get this all the time. Oh man, people say, I've got the, I such a great voice. You know, I should do voice acting. And it's like, well, that's great that you've got this lovely instrument, but do you know how to use it? Right. Right. And, and think about, think about something like this. Like, like, let's say you have a, a script about, you know, a guy that's uh, it's for Midas. I'm just throwing this out. It's okay. If you've got a commercial for Midas and uh, you're, you're the opening line is there's Bob. You know, he's, he's working on his engine, you know, and he's making a mess of it. Okay. Okay. Where are you when you're talking about this? Let's make some, let's paint a picture here. Well, are you, I'm, I'm, I'm in my driveway. My girlfriend, Janet's right next to me. So my proximity is different. Hey, there's Bob. Check it out. He's looking, he's working on his Midas or, you know, you could be over the fence. Hey, neighbor, hey, Bob. And that's why, you know, I mean, it's, you see what I mean? So you, and, and it could be completely different reads. So I always do two different reads with two different attitudes that tells the director, oh, she's directable. She's not just giving me one flavor. There's a couple flavors in here. I, I want to work with that one. Right. See, there's a lot of depth. And, yeah, for sure. And, and science to it that, you know, people just don't really realize that, wow, there's a lot to do. But again, if you have the passion for it, go for it. I'm the, I will be your number one cheering fan, you know, because I love hearing the successes of my students. That just takes it home for me, you know. That's so awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think I have anything else. Alexa, do you? I've got one more question. Bring it on. There's been talks about potentially another Nancy Drew game. If you were asked to come back for a voice in the Nancy Drew world, would you come back? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? It would be an honor. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Whatever they want. (laughs) Oh boy, English, whatever. I'll do it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You all have been uh, so fun. So fun. You have as well. You've been very informative. Oh, good. Good, good. Good, good. Well, if anybody is interested in, you know, voiceover work, um, they can, you know, find me through um, my studio is leslie at voicebythesea.com. And 
you can go from there and I can help steer them in the right direction. I'm happy to help. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on with us. You're welcome. Thank you for asking. You know, thank you for keeping Nancy Drew alive, right? (laughs) We try. (laughs) Oh, well, that's awesome, guys. It's awesome. All right. Be well. Thank you. Yay. Bye. Bye. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of River Heights Buzz podcast. You can find us on Instagram at River Heights Buzz. You can email us at riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook in our Facebook group and on Twitter at River Heights Buzz with just one Z. Check us out next week as we dive into Nancy Drew Mystery Stories number three, The Bungalow Mystery. I'll see you next time, everyone. Bye, guys. <laughs>